Welcome to the Crypto and Blockchain Talk. Hello. Hey. Guten Tag. Hallo. Hola. Shalom. Hallo. Namaste. Hello. Salut. Yassas. Salve. Ciao. Bonjour. Our podcast talks about the latest trends in the worlds of cryptocurrencies and the blockchain. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Crypto and Blockchain Talk. Today with me, I have Carmen Ziegenbein. He is the CEO of Tomoko Discovery, basically leading a team of specialists into cryptocurrency investigations. First off, welcome, Carmen. Hello. Hello. I have to tell you right now. I am so excited about speaking to you. I am the biggest fan of things like Forensic Files and CSI. And when I saw your company as well as your bio, I thought, we have to have this guy on this show. This is right up my alley. So a real warm-hearted welcome. Now, of course, everyone on the show all get a warm welcome, but a really warm welcome to you, Carmen, because this is so exciting. Wow, you are sounding exciting already. <laughs> I am excited. It's going to be amazing. I have so many things to ask, but what I wanted to do was the following thing. I wanted to kind of concentrate on one topic for this podcast, and that topic is about Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency and just how anonymous is it really? But I would like to apologize to all of our listeners right now because I can already tell you I can feel myself going off on tangents, which I don't like to necessarily do, but I have so many things I want to ask. But before we get into the nitty gritty, I really need to know, how did you get started in this entire scheme of being a crypto detective started a long time ago which means i'm pretty old now too but it started a long time ago in germany so i was working at a, at a computer manufacturer they sent me out to america to learn english then i met my wife then started working in the u.s and i worked most of the time i worked on search engines predictive modeling analytics machine learning and stuff like that and then my lovely wife decided that we wanted to move from Florida to New York or to somewhere where it's cold and where there's snow. You know, because when you live in a long time in Florida, you're thinking, oh, gosh, I'm missing snow. And my wife was very excited. I got a job at Microsoft in New York City in Manhattan, um, where Times Square is. And she loved it. First year, Christmas time, she was dancing in the snow. Wow, she was excited. <laughs> year number two, there was less dancing. Year number three, there was no more dancing. And year number four, she said, let's get the heck out of here and go back to Florida. <laughs> oh, in Florida, there are no jobs in my field. So I can only work in, I can pretty much only get a real job in New York or in California. So California, she refused to go to California because of earthquakes and fires. Yes. Okay. New York was too cold. Then I could have gone to Connecticut, but I didn't work for her either. So at the end, we went to Florida. Okay. Now in Florida... We started, um, we started like a citizen newspaper and it got uh, 500,000 unique readers a month and it worked out well. However, I was probably not the brightest with generating revenue with it. Right. So, and I pretty much spent all the money on it. So then we went again, again came up California or New York. Again, my wife refused and said, we have to come up with something else. And then there was an attorney at that time. He was asking me for help for research. 
And since I did usually, you know, like user profiles and stuff like this in regards to pretty much, you know, the things that people hate when ads following you and all these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's me kind of like, oh, was me. I changed. I'm a better person now. But <laughs> started doing investigative research and really helping just investigators with uh, searching for information on social media, on the dark web. It seemed to be very easy at that time. But then there was an issue. There was no good software out there to authenticate something to make it court admissible. So people would, in the U.S. especially, they take, um, they would even take a screenshot, a printout, right. and would take it to court, and you might go to prison for life for it. Just somebody printed something out that might be wrong, actually. And I used a couple of different software applications, and I decided I can't take it anymore. So I decided we're going to build our own software, which was Tomoko Discovery in this case. And then Tomoko Discovery was used for dark web stuff, but then also for cryptocurrency. So if you have a transaction, for example, you can record it, and there's a SHA-256. Kind of think of it like a ring that kind of like puts it around it. It's almost like um, the best way to think about the software or forensic software is that it puts you in a room that is almost like a little prison, so you can't cheat really. Right. And then you're just going to pull all the information out there. So created that and then started selling that software and then did more and more research work for clients. And yeah, and then it went more from social media, went more into the dark web. And then the dark web, since you have all these marketplaces there, Transactions are usually a cryptocurrency. So this means if I'm on Dream Market or not anymore Dream Market or Wall Street, not anymore Wall Street, they both closed down. Yep. I would have to use cryptocurrency to pay. And then so what happened down the road is, is first we had insurance companies buying our services. And then it moved over to public defenders. And then now it's pretty much law enforcement. So we're working with different law enforcement agencies around the world together. And then also with some banks like the Reserve Bank and other places. And we provide, for example, we train them on how to do cryptocurrency and dark web investigations. And then we also help them with forensics. So meaning if they have like a device or something or there's a case that they have where they try to recover cryptocurrencies, things like this, then we help them as well. But it's not me because I'm terrible with hardware. I cannot even change a tire. That's Craig and the others. Well, let me ask you this question then. If you develop this software, you're a developer then. That's what your background ah, that must be. Nothing. That doesn't mean nothing. Right. I was a developer a long time ago. The way it works with development is at the end, it's like, um, so you start off as a developer. You can be good or bad, but developers are going only, usually most of them are going in one direction. And so then it starts off, then you do maybe some project management, some other things. So I haven't developed anything in like 10 years. I just write down the technical specs and say, this is what we need. This is how it looks like. And pretty much that's it. If you asked me to develop something right now, it would be going down the toilet. Right. Okay. So, but you, well, you obviously know enough to be dangerous and you understand about how everything needs to work and you must have written the entire schematic for the background of this program, which is selling. Yes. So the, the you have to out of pretty much the software, you usually have to write a technical document or business document as first, and then a technical document in regards. It's kind of like almost like a plan how to build a house. So you want this working there and this working there. And the software is like, and I hate doing software because it's like a little child. So a child gets always sick and it has a flu or cold here, mm -hmm. a tooth falls out. And that software, it's a never ending story. Child gets adult, becomes an adult and gets married. Same with software. <laughs> so let me ask you this then. You have law enforcement agencies who are coming to you 
and people who are within the legal framework who are coming to you and asking you to do what exactly to help them trace crypto? What is it that you're doing for them with this software? What is the purpose of the software? Those, so the software is like, so the software is only one part. So some of them buy the software to authenticate something. So when they make a cryptocurrency transaction, for example, when they seize cryptocurrency, then they use the software to record when they are doing it or while they are doing it. So the software pretty much think of it, it's like a Chrome browser that has a couple of tools on the side and has a recorder, like a video recorder. And it records if you log in, for example, into, into let's say Coinbase or wherever you want to log in and you can record the whole transaction so that none of the money that is being seized gets lost or gets funneled somewhere else. So that would be the part for the software. Or if you go to the dark web, let's say it's a it's a sex crime or pedophilia. So imagine there's a female officer working here on this side and there's a predator uh, on the other side who thinks this is a 10-year-old girl, for example. Right. Um, she would record actually the whole chat and the whole communication with Tomoko Discovery. So that would be, but that's just one part. What we do most of the time, so we do the software, we sell the software, but we do actually the training we do a lot where we train law enforcement and different agencies on how to actually, first, what is cryptocurrency? And then also how to do a cryptocurrency investigation, what are the different parts on it? And then also how to do the forensics. So we have two courses right now for that where they can learn these both these these two things and then we provide also dark web training most folks don't really know it and um, in the u.s it's worse than in other countries so cryptocurrency is really like i think in the u.s we have not under we don't understand quite right that cryptocurrency is going to go mainstream at one point of time mm-hmm. we're still a little bit in the dark ages here so nobody cares but that means also when they hunt on when they for example execute a search warrant there at a drug house or stuff like that for example there they can be they can be able to find actually a lot of cryptocurrency over there but they never know what to look for so they don't search for it because they have no idea you know most hide it for example using a you know the bip 39 or something like this and they don't look for it because they don't know it you don't even have to be very high tech you can be extremely low tech and old so as long as you're good with puzzles and searching you're going to be the perfect person for it so that's the second thing that we're doing is pretty much the training and then the third thing that we're starting off now because we got more and more requests is really helping them with the forensic. So meaning we go to them, to the law enforcement agency or whoever wants most of the time is the law enforcement agency. And then we pretty much do the forensics on, you know, they they seize, for example, a phone or they seize a computer or other items. So we have to always explain to them that it might not actually be not on that phone or not on that computer. It might be somewhere in the house in a picture or something like that. Of course, this is hard always to explain it to them yeah. from, with computers. They're thinking of us just doing computers and then we're looking at like pots and pans. So. <laughs> so when you see scams, exit scams that come to mind in particular, such as Quadriga CX, Do you just start salivating and thinking, I can show these people exactly where every single Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, you name it, I can pinpoint every XRP and where it's gone and who has it. Is this exactly the line that you go down in your mind when you hear about these exit scams? No, not really. I feel always sorry for everybody. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, that's the first thing. I mean, I feel so my heart bleeds for every single person who really, this is the whole thing. Anytime in crime, any kind of crime, there's obviously going to be a minimum of one loser there's going to be at least one person who will have had a significant loss which is of course 
horrible to think that somebody could get away with that. Of course, when it's compounded, such as in the case of things like Quadriga CX or any exchange that's just been hacked into, or literally just somebody doing something which is illegal with with any kind of crypto, how do you how do you then do you try to get in there and then say to them, hey, listen, do you know who I am? <laughs> you know, I've invented this software and I can help you guys in terms of the forensics and your investigations or how does this work? Uh, so far, we don't even reach out to them. Most of the time it's word of mouth so that clients are coming to us. So it could be law enforcement or other places. Um, so we haven't even started reaching out to these kind of folks. With the, some, sometimes they ask us for recoveries, so where we help with recoveries. But um, yeah, the exit ones, or for example, if you look at the exchanges, the exchanges are very difficult in regards to now, if you look at some of them, they don't have a location. So you have to figure out where they actually located. Then you find an office. I'll give you an example. There's exchange A. It's um, supposed to be located in Hong Kong. But then there's another address that we find that goes to Taiwan. From Taiwan, it goes to another country. From another country, it goes right. to another country. It's like, holy smokes. So the exchanges are really, really difficult. Plus, they are not too regulated. So um, we had, there was, for example, a case in South Africa that we had. Um, or, you know, trying, for example, getting cryptocurrency in a very short amount of time is actually not that easy there. Because most of the other ones, if you're South African, they won't give you anything. So you have to pay really high dollars to get, you know, get the cryptocurrency. Let's say, and I don't remember the exact number, but we paid probably like for, we would have paid for $8,000 worth of crypto. We paid a fee of like 1600 or so. Oh, wow. So, but then the funny thing is, it goes, you can use your MasterCard or so, your credit card. Yeah. And so I'm not quite sure. You could run a lot of scams. I don't know how they're doing it. But yeah, you get the crypto, it works. Um, yeah, I wonder who their, um, you know, their merchant account is or the merchant provider in this case. But it's uh, it's diff it's very difficult. Exchanges are one of the most difficult ones. And then you have yeah, where they take the money and they decide, okay, I could make $100,000 if I keep working, but I have a million dollars in there. Maybe I should just run for the hills. And of course, you have them there. And then there's a lot of pyramid schemes out there. And the pyramid schemes, I don't know, sometimes, Sometimes for these ones, I don't feel any pity because pyramid scheme is happening. For example, they would they would talk up um, a cryptocurrency or a project or stuff like this. Everybody would buy in and give money to it and invest. And that thing just explodes. And of course, it was really not there and they scammed all the money. And five minutes later, there's another one opening up and the same people who have become victim on this side, moving to the next place and saying, oh, let me try it again. And they fall for it again. Well, you know so, what, I, I, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And of course, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these pyramid or Ponzi or MLM, you know, there's a lot of, and not all MLMs are, are scams. I, I mean, I, I do know that there's things such as Avon and um, a couple of other ones that I can't think of at the very moment, but, you know, there are ones that are legitimate and there's a lot of them that aren't. And the ones that aren't, you're right people for some reason they do tend to try to take two bites of the same cherry and and i don't understand it but i do tend to feel sorry for those people because 
they're obviously missing a screw because normally your your train of thought would be trick me once shame on you trick me twice shame on me there's a lack of regulation even though a lot of governments are trying their hardest right now to do something and it's it's still small it's baby steps at the moment but for the most part it is still open season for, for in the rest of the world. I know what the United States is doing and some other places, like I said, but it is definitely, um, you know, still a place where if you want to try to do something that is beyond the scope of the law or in other words, illegal, you, you've got a pretty good chance if you do it right and you pick the right place of getting away with it, especially because most people do not do their due diligence most people really, research is beyond their ken. Research is something that they can't be bothered to do, even though they're spending their hard-earned money. It, it escapes all logic. I don't even understand that part because I look at the ins and outs of everything before I would even bother to put my money into something. But the majority of people, they don't do that. They're like sheep and they literally go, and just follow the next person into a scam. And then afterwards, and this is where... You know, I can tell you also from, you know, firsthand, people will be scanned by God knows what. And then they contact us and they go, can you help us? Because we need to, we don't understand how to get our money back. This happens all the time. I mean, we do get really interesting emails, which is actually one of the reasons why this, not just our podcast, but the radio station and all of our books, why they actually came to fruition because we felt the need to help people and that's what you're doing you're helping people obviously catch the bad guys aren't you yes and it's it is exciting and sometimes it's not we're, we're not perfect i can give you an example and so we had a training we, we do training for the south african police force in south africa and we were at a training i think it was in cape town so cape town is on the southern part of south africa and we had um it's called the group calls uh, or the unit calls hawks and there you can compare them maybe to the FBI in the United States. And so we were sitting all in that room and we have a couple of guys there in, in gals, so women and men, and we're officers and some folks from the military. And we were going through, I think it was a hundred million dollar scam, uh, uh, um, uh, pyramid scam. Wow. And so we were going through and working through this thing and we said, shoot, if we would have, and there, there was a lot of communication that went actually through, um, what is it, WhatsApp? We thought, Gosh, if we could have all the WhatsApp messages could get into one of these accounts. And there was a guy, and I'm not saying his name because he will kill me when he sees me. Well, of course. But uh, he was sitting next to us, and he got smaller and smaller and smaller. And then he said, you know what? Um, I kind of invested into that, too. And <laughs> Oh, really? And we got the whole thing there next to us. So we had full access to the WhatsApp, to all the communication. But uh, it happens to it can really happen to everybody. And I think it's like, you know, if you think, ah, oh, we can I can make something or I can get something very quick. Some people go for it. The the sad thing is or the bad part is really is that cryptocurrency is actually a really good thing. So the challenges, of course, is we have something decentralized, but people are just so far away from perfect. And criminals always find the best ways to steal stuff. Of and they course. are the ones. They're the early adopters. So, and that's kind of like the real challenging part. If you have now too much government involved, too many regulations, then that becomes a problem as well. So I'm not quite sure how the future would look for that, look like that. But um, I think it's going to be quite interesting and challenging in regards to how this whole thing evolves. Because 
governments pretty much want to have it centralized. They do not want to have decentralization. Decentralization is cool, and I think it's the way to go. I just don't know, like, for example, the United States or the United Kingdom, how far this is going to go at the end. Well, you know, this is the thing. If you look at most exchanges, they are centralized. Most exchanges I know are centralized. And on top of that, I can't even think of an exchange that doesn't have KYC or know your customer regulations, which means, or rules, which means that they need to have ID of the person who's opening the account. No, there are some, some, there are some, especially in South Africa and some other countries. And that, and you know, this is the thing. I was just about to ask you, how many exchanges do you know that are existing out there that do not require any KYC? I would assume at least a dozen, and I'm sure there are a lot more. I would, my guess would be it's in the hundreds probably, because you have to think about it uh, like in some of the f- countries that, you know, that are not requiring these things or where there's no regulation at all. Um, people have to get cryptocurrency or get Bitcoin or whatever they want to get there. Um, so I, my guess is now more than a hundred. I know at least of like, five or six of them for sure. But of course it changes all the time. So when I say this now, I might be wrong already, but I'm pretty sure the ones that I can think of, and this were the ones that we used last time. There was no KYC, know your customer. You could just throw something in there, throw a credit card in there and you get the money or you get the cryptocurrency. But then you also have like, you have the exchanges, but then you have also street dealers. So I don't know if you ever heard about them. So for example, if I'm a drug dealer and I make, let's say I make 10,000 a month, so 10,000 in cash. I can't bring it really to the bank. So I'm going to sit there and I'm going to put it in my room or in my trunk, which some of them are doing. So after a while, I have to kind of like get rid of the money. So what I can do is I can find a street dealer. And for example, I give them for each thousand dollars that I give them, I get $700 worth of crypto of Bitcoin, for example. And so I exchange it into cryptocurrency. So that's a way it's a lot of times that people are doing this now that they use kind of like the street dealer or a person, actually a person that doesn't exchange there um, on the street somewhere at a location. So there's no real firm place where you go, though you can meet on the street corner. And um, this is going to be a lot of times now happening too. For these exchanges, I think down the road, they're going away. The ones that um, don't require it because they still have to take the funds. So meaning like, um, like the one that I described before, where you use a credit card, for example. So if I use a credit card, it has to go through a merchant account. And then the merchant account, of course, you know, takes the data. He has the data there too. But then if my credit card, if I use a stolen card from the dark web, for example, that I get um, credit card information, then my merchant account will say after a while, hey, wow, this one is not valid. This one is valid, but I gave already out Bitcoin, for example. So, and I think that's going to be, you know, I don't know how these guys are really scamming their way through. But uh, it works now. I was quite fascinated with it when when we worked over there. Well, you know, this is the thing, though. If somebody's going to use like a street contact to actually buy their crypto, isn't that essentially you're st- they'll still be found if they can just find the person who's processing? Can't they just finger the person and say that's the one who? that's the person who gave me the money there's the drug dealer right there it wasn't me you know when yeah. they, humans are the weak points i would think you know you threaten somebody with a lifetime of jail being the pretty boy in the row you know they're not going to be like just taking it yep. hands down they'll be fessing up to everything under the sun let's just talk about bitcoin 
for just a moment. Bitcoin is touted as being anonymous to an extent, but is it anonymous in any way, shape, or form? Oh, you could say yes and no. It is anonymous. So if I find, depends really. So there's some, um, I'll give you an example. There's a, and I have a hard time always saying this. There's a Chechenian revolution rebel group out there. They're selling um, weapons, for example, weapons and mm -hmm. rocket launchers, military grade stuff. So they have a cryptocurrency, they have a Bitcoin address. So of course, now I can identify if I have that address, I can look into the transactions and then I can like kind of find out who they are. I mean, there are different ways. Most of the time, if somebody mentions that address somewhere, or you know, if you looked, if you just would look it up on the web, so that would be way number one. But usually, it's like, let's say there's a crime occurs there, you go to that property. Let's say it's an apartment, it's a house, or something like this. That's also where you, if you have an idea, let's say there was a dark web delivery, for example, you go to, and formerly there was a, the dark web is kind of like. The dark web world and the buying drugs went is gotten a little bit smaller because most of the big players are gone. Mm -hmm. So there was Dream Market, there was Wall Street Market always sucked, but it was there too. So Dream Market shut down. Then there was yeah, Wall Street, Alphabet, and a couple of other ones. This is where people would purchase their stuff, the drugs, for example, or whatever they need, and then it would be shipped over there, shipped over to you know the customer. And then when the customer receives it, I don't really need to know really the, the, the Bitcoin address in this case, because I know already there's going to be a delivery. So there must have been an exchange of, you know, of funds. So a person X purchased something. Right now, when you look at the markets, you have still Silk Road 3. Point, I think it's 3.2 or 3.0 or something. It's kind of like a... It's kind of like a replica of the Silk Road. It kind of sucks too. The best one was usually Dream Market. And not that I'm giving any recommendations to buy anything. <laughs> That's the heads up. I'm using Don't always for buy trading. anyone. Don't buy anything off the dark web. I promise you, you'll go to jail. Go on. Keep going. Yeah. But there's another one, so Samsara now. That's a new, kind of like supposed to be a new version of it. Probably by a different administrator. But so let's say I buy something in Samsara. So I purchased something, it's being delivered to me. Now, in some cases, law enforcement will play the role of a postal officer or, for, or for example, of UPS or of um, what is it called, FedEx, and they would deliver the package to you. Now, after they deliver the package, then they might execute the search warrant, or they're gonna tie you down in regards to that they don't arrest you, but they take over your account. And then actually, instead of you making the purchase, law enforcement makes the purchase. So now in this cases, I can already find at the premises if I'm being called over there and there's a search warrant that's been executed, I would search the premise pretty much for, you know, for anything for wallets, for example, or, you know, for private keys or for the, usually it's in this, they have seats floating around them. What people do is they do the BIP 39, and they, they come up with the craziest things. So let's say they do a BIP 39, 39 words. They do it in Chinese. They engrave it on the back of a TV. Now, who the hell would look in the back of the TV, of a Chinese TV especially, and would figure out, and in Chinese, you have um, each word is one character in this or one symbol. So meaning you would look at it and you would never figure out what it is actually. So now on the other side, if you do some people hiding it in pictures, so meaning they're going to put um, pictures out there. For example, imagine there's a room, a living room, and there would be a picture and there would be a person in each of these pictures and there would be a word on that T-shirt, for example. And nobody would look at that that closely, but it could be also a carpet. So sometimes, you know, these carpets that you put in the kitchen where there are words on it, that's another one. Or on pots on the back of a pot 
or in a shopping list. So there are six million places where people hide stuff in this case. You know, and I'll bet yeah. you're I, I'll bet you're brilliant at escape rooms. Something tells me that I want you on my team. But keep going, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> but then some of them putting the most popular one is actually putting it in paper, rolling it, and I guess and putting it in the. You know, when you open up your kitchen cabinets, mm -hmm. there's this thing, you know, where you grab with your fingers this thing. Yes. They, it's usually empty and they put the paper in there. Um, some people laminate it. Yeah, there's a different. And some people use books. They use different forms of cryptography. So they would do, for example, like a Caesar thing. So Caesar, in this case, would mean if the word is, for example, it's a, it is, I don't know, Abraham. Then instead, my first letter would be not A, it would be B, for example, if I just go one forward. Mm -hmm. And so, but people usually see these ones pretty easily. And some other people would use books, for example. So when you look at cryptocurrency and these things, finding it usually is on site. This is usually the thing where most of law enforcement is missing it, really, that the stuff is really on site and it's not on a computer. Now, then when we look back at the computer is desktop wallets. And I really have to say, some of the ones that build this stuff, I have to say shame on them because some of the desktop wallets, wow, I can only shake my head for all these laziness. So it is not hard to crack these things. Now, if we think about hardware wallets, um, hardware wallets, of course, you know, that's going to be more difficult. But when you think about firmware and some of these ones, there are so many hardware wallets out there now. Um, there's just at least 50 that I know of from every planet or every part of the country or world they are coming from. So there are a lot of them that are not strong enough either. Uh, and then you have the, you know, when you do the paper wallets where they pretty much, you know, create go to like, what is it, Ian Coleman or some of the other places. Mm -hmm. And that's what law enforcement, some of the places are doing now too. They're writing their own scripts and they create these, pretty much these wallets and the keys offline and then utilize them when they seize the funds later on. Yes, yeah, so that would be one part to finding it. Another part is really... People are people, so meaning if they make a transaction, sometimes they just use an email address somewhere or they use something somewhere. So you would have to really, when you just do an online profile, you would have to look through everything, message boards, etc., etc. So it could be an address is posted in a message board and it has a, you know, the, there's a username there. Then from that username, we take that username and try to identify the identity behind that username. And then we keep searching and searching. So it goes pretty much, it's like a blend of social media, dark web. And, and when I say dark web, most of the time it's really like Tor. When we go to the, on, to the Onion network, it's less the other ones. So when we look at the other ones, Freenet, for example, Freenet is more child porn and white supremacy. Here in America, it's called white supremacy. You're probably neo-Nazis, for example, neo-Nazi groups. That would be more towards Freenet, for example. Well, let me just make something very clear for the, all the listeners. So there's a number of terms that Carmen's using right now. One of them is clear web. And the clear web is the region of the internet that most of us are familiar with. And it is public. These are the publicly accessible web pages that are largely indexed on search engines. Then there's the deep web. And the deep web are regions of the internet that are hidden from the public. And so, for instance, these marketing platforms, software as a service platforms, and these are built within the deep web, but they require authentication to access the data. And then, of course, you have the dark web, which was which is what we're talking about. And there's a lot of cases about people who have recently, like Carmen was just saying, have gone to jail because they were either the founders or the uh, the linchpins for these dark web platforms. And you can pretty much buy anything that is supremely illegal drugs 
guns and ammunition. But you, if it's illegal it's somewhere, you can probably buy it on the dark web. So, and the dark web is deep within the deep web. It's a region of the internet, again, that's very intentionally and securely hidden from view. And this is where an anonymity is critical as well. And these are also the places, by the way, where no doubt every member of law enforcement, every law enforcement division in the world is hanging out on their versions of the dark web looking for the bad guys. This is their full-time job. And it's people like Carmen who work with these people in these divisions to find these people and, and bring them to justice. If you're going on the dark web, your intentions are normally quite dark. And I agree with you, Carmen. Obviously, I agree with you. I'm a huge proponent of cryptocurrency. I really believe in all the good that can come from it. Obviously, I believe in that. Um, you know, I pay for things in crypto. I am definitely not into breaking any laws or doing anything like this. But of course, you know, with any good system, there's always a, some rotten eggs that ruin it for everyone. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's life. I don't see you having a lack of work in the near future. If anything, I see you probably expanding to every country in the world. I don't want to really put words in your mouth. Where do you see everything going within this space? In regards to my work, I think it's like we're just at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I think there's going to be like a huge explosion of demand there. So in regards to cryptocurrency for, you know, recovery, crime, et cetera, et cetera. I think this is going to be over the next couple of years, this is going to be a big market. In general, I think cryptocurrency, if you just think about Bitcoin or Ethereum or stuff like that, it is almost perfect for developers. And when I say this for, for someone who creates software, it's I have, for example, I can apply it to so, so many different things. So if I look at the smart contracts, it was kind of not that great before, but now it all comes together with new technology and then the old technology stuff that we have, like the blockchain and smart contracts and stuff like this, this all comes nicely together. And I think there's no way that this is not going to succeed. Is Bitcoin succeeding? I have no idea because some of them are pretty much will go down. Um, and then some of the cryptocurrencies that are out there is like software development is really poorly done. Um, some of the ICOs that are out there, you know, where they spend a lot of time getting the paperwork done, but not the software. <laughs> so some of the things are poorly done, but I think in the next three years or so, maybe five years, cryptocurrency is pretty much dominating everything. And especially with tech, not just with the way we think of it, just an exchange, but if I think of recording data, you know, smart contracts, stuff like this, because it's so applicable to different verticals, um, real estate, healthcare, everything pretty much. Well, and, and this is the thing we like you just said, we're at very, very early days. And a lot of people, which, you know, because you're out there like we are educating everyone who is in your way <laughs> on what's <laughs> happening because it's still a very small percentage of the world's population that even understands about blockchain and cryptocurrency. Where, how do you think, though, it's going to pan out on a world basis in terms of the Crypto Bureau of Investigations or the Blockchain Bureau, yeah. the, the BBI? I mean, because it is going to probably grow in its spectrum in terms of issues. In other words, 
bad things happening. Yeah, that is coming. There are some law enforcement agencies outside of the United States that pretty much want to train or planning on training everybody on crypto, all the detectives that they have, for example. So because cryptocurrency is for them, they're thinking of it, it's going to be the number one item out there that they have to investigate and they have to use and have to understand over the next couple of years. And then some other countries, they're a little bit behind it and, you know, they will take a little bit longer to pick up the pace. So you, you're definitely going to see that happening. Well, I would like to thank you very, very much, Carmen, for coming on to Crypto and Blockchain Talk. But I would also like to request one other thing. Will you come back and do some other podcasts with us? As many as you want. Woohoo! I'm up ah! for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, by the way, before we end it, yeah. I love your book. Your book is really, really good. We kept looking for books for training that we give out to the students. And I really love that book. So we're you have our book? Years. You Well, listen, I, for everyone out there, our book is available on Amazon. I'm so excited that you like our book or that you love our book. That makes me so happy. And because by the way, it's like, oh, go hard ahead. to explain. It's so hard to explain. Usually. You do it really well in there. So we're actually going to be start using it and ordering some for the next class that we have. Oh, do you know what? That has probably made everyone on our team really, <laughs> really happy. A lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into making that book. I can't thank you enough. That's a really beautiful thing for you to say. Well, and I wonder because I looked you up. Otherwise, I wouldn't have even known about it. <laughs> you know what? And folks, this is not a set up, you know, a mutual, you know, pat on the back here. Honestly, oh, I did no not. This is not a mutual pat on the back time. I honestly did not know that Carmen bought a copy of our crypto and blockchain for beginners or we have a bunch of other titles coming out for um, one, a student's guide to crypto and blockchain. And we have a bunch of others, including also a kid's book, by the way, Carmen. We wrote a book for very small children called Meet Bob the Block train and and that book's actually going to be now out in libraries across the uk as well as also with some in the libraries in malta and some other countries right now are also buying it so i think so we're with you all the way in educating people but you're taking it even one step further by making sure that bad guys don't win and i gotta tell you i am behind you a million percent it's it's fantastic work that you're doing thank you very much you're very welcome well I would like to thank everyone for tuning in this week to Crypto and Blockchain Talk. Please tell your friends and family to download us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, and Spotify, amongst the other many channels that we're broadcast on. We love hearing from you. Please email us at education at SavvyDigital.com. That's education at SavvyDigital.com. And let us know if there's any topics you would like us to explore on your behalf. We would love to take that on. Remember to like us on Twitter and leave comments on Facebook. Really nice ones, please. And remember that we are here for your listening pleasure 24 hours a day. And also tune into Crypto24Radio.com, where even more news, up-to-the-minute updates on crypto and blockchain and what's going on in the world, as well as also these podcasts are broadcast. Again, thank you for tuning in this week, and we look forward to having you as our listener again next week. Take care, be safe, and goodbye. Thank you.